Hey, this is Mike from the High Hash Rate Podcast, the podcast where Bitcoiners get high and shoot the shit. This is the podcast for plebs. It's for the plebs. Today we have a great episode. Special guest Camilla Campton comes, joins us, Dan and I, and we discuss fighting spam bots and creating content for Bitcoin and how Bitcoin is going to change the world. Hope you enjoy the show. I wonder if a nation would ever put Bitcoin on their flag. Because I feel like, for example, if it was Colombia, it's like just change the yellow to orange because you have no right. gold. The, the blue represents the oceans and then the red is the blood of the people that fought for liberty, for Colombia's liberty. But the yellow is the gold. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> just take it out. Buy some Bitcoin and just make it orange. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. And here we go. <laughs> and we're live. <laughs> this is episode number three of High Hash Rate. We have a great guest uh, with us today. Uh, Camilla Campton. Um, I just want to welcome Camilla to High Hash Rate, you know, the show where Bitcoiners smoke a bit of weed and talk a bit of shit, right? So, uh, Camilla, welcome. Thank you so much. You know, ever since you told me about this show, I was just like, this is the show that. <laughs> But I want to do, not necessarily because <laughs> I smoke weed, but it's just such say, a weird concept. I was say, you're in Colorado. Of course, you're, uh, of course you're a fan. Well, what's funny is I don't, I'm not necessarily like a fan of weed itself. Mm -hmm. It just gets me really sleepy. And nice. Yeah. it's just like, I like last time I had a gummy, I was just like on the couch, not being able to move. And I just didn't want to like have a conversation or anything. I just wanted to pass out. So I was like, if I do that for this, it's just going to be a conversation it. between Dan and Ocean. <laughs> so the episode, the last episode, episode number two, that was me. Like I was barely holding on. Like I, my mouth was really dry. Where you, like the really like weird, uh, where you just like, you hear somebody on a podcast or on TV or on the radio and you're like, drink a glass of water. And I was drinking <laughs> gallons of, of like coconut water, everything I had around me. And it just, di it didn't subside. And I was so high. I was like, I couldn't follow the conversation. I was, uh, you know, Paul was great, he, but he, like, sometimes I would get a point in my head and he would just keep talking. He was making great points and I, he would just keep going. And I was like, I didn't know what to say. And I'm just like freaking out in my head. Like on the, you know, on the screen, I'm just, you know, on that video, the teaser Mike put out, I'm just kind of sitting there. It looked like I'm kind of like going back and forth, but no, nah, I was, I was, uh, that, that the one was struggling. Your mic and you were just, mm -hmm. like, I'm just like, keep it together. Cause I took, I took this, um, I took the edible like three hours before the oh, show. Cause I'm like, all right, you know, it'll, it'll kick in. It'll be a little strong. I'll be fine. I'll get used to it. But now like a half hour before I'm like laying in the dark on my couch. I'm like, Oh man, I gotta like go talk to this guy. I don't know him, but you know, it worked out. It was fine. You're always like more high in your head than you like come across to other people. 
it's kind of like that like that scene in a movie where just like the music's like everything's zoning in and it's like this guy's having a bad time then it warps out to a different perspective he's just like at a you know a grocery store just like checking out or something but yeah that's how i felt dan it's not that serious you're fine yeah right exactly exactly (laughs) i i found that taking notes actually um dispelled a lot of that feeling because i was having similar feelings uh for sure a, a few of our earlier earlier recordings oh yeah i mean you're the one that controls the the production like you can always just cut out the embarrassing like uh pauses and stuff that's true that's true have you been doing that though oceans cutting cutting i I have to admit i i did cut some of the last episode i can't remember where but there are places that it starts to make it appropriate to cut and you have to think about that as a as a video maker (laughs) and and as a filmmaker you have to start thinking about you know if you what what do the choices mean if you do cut or if you don't cut right how much you cut yeah it's an interesting thought experiment but you make content as well don't you i a little bit yeah it's just i i feel like i only make it either i'm really inspired or I just think like, oh, this is a really funny idea. Why not share it with the world? And, you know, if it makes someone laugh, then cool. It's just, yeah, like fun for me. Do you have a, do you have a process for how you kind of like unleash your creativity or how you come up with good content? Or you just kind of come with any, whatever comes to you, you kind of create then? Well, it's really funny with, because, TikTok, it's like one of those things where it's just one of those platforms that people really don't take it seriously, or at least that's how it started out, right? Right. And you're just like scrolling. And if, if I come across a sound that I'm like, how can I put a Bitcoin twist into this? Then I'll be like, okay, I know how to do it and I'll, I'll record it. So usually it's the sound first that grabs my attention and then I'll right. come up with an idea for it. So you, were you like a social media star before Swan? So it's because of those silly TikTok videos that I came across Swan. Um, but very nice. yeah, my first job right after college was at a branding agency. And so I was able to see like the creative process that we used with companies and creating content and stuff. But I was um, the producer actually. So kind of behind just like viewing like the creative process of all the designers and stuff. And I always loved that. But I never thought myself as like a creative person that would ever create social content. I think it was like a mixture of me being super excited about Bitcoin, seeing how I could just do something creative that I could share with people. And it kind of just took off and then I've told this story before Brady tried to do a TikTok and it was a terrible TikTok and then I commented like this is not how you do a TikTok and because of that they Brady's a boomer me. Brady's yeah. a boomer he's not a boomer no I know <laughs> he's not but yeah so <clears throat> it was just throwing myself out there that right, Lucy. contacted me yeah. So you're, uh, so this is your job. This is your career is you're a professional. So what, what is your take on the whole Elon Musk buying and Twitter thing? I think it's great. You know, it's, it's his money. Do whatever you want to do for, with your money. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, I think it's very interesting that 
people feel like they have their voice back, you know, like they feel like they can now speak their truth and they're not going to get banned or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, even though I feel like you could have kept speaking your truth, even if we had to create like a gazillion accounts, you know, how many ghosts of somebody is on Twitter, right? Like, Oh, it's like, that's the 17th account that they've had since, that's uh, since the having, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, I think it's great. It's going to be very interesting to see what changes do happen because it's very fun to hype things up, but until changes actually happen, it's like, okay, this is, this is do, really cool. Do you think there's like any ulterior motives? Do you think he's got like any like secret, uh, you know, motivations or like business opportunities that he's thinking about. I mean, I think I agree with you. I think like open sourcing the algorithms, awesome. Free speech, big supporter. There's like a million things that I'm, you know, I mean, I have, I have some concerns, like maybe one person like shouldn't own like this big platform, but whatever, like, it's not like every other, um, social media platform and newspapers not owned by like some billionaire. It's not like this is a uniquely bad situation, but Mm -hmm. I also think as bad as, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to give, you know, the critics, like the benefit of the doubt as bad as it is. Right. Um, it's better than the current ownership or the prior ownership in my opinion. So I don't think it'd get any worse. I agree. I think yeah. it can go up from here. My biggest fear is that he does something with Doge and then yeah, right. for right. us, Bitcoiners is like, crap, this is like another layer of, but whatever that we have to deal with oh, yeah. and kind of educate people about because I thought Doge went up after the announcement and it's like, why should that be connected at all? It's, it's so weird, but. It almost, it almost feels like social media platforms might be start, start be connected with uh, coins in a way. What was that? He's back. Hello. <laughs> can, you hear, can you guys hear me? I can hear you, Ocean. Okay. I think we lost Dan. Can you hear? Okay, you can't hear Dan. Yeah. Dan, we can't hear you. See, this is a part that you would edit <laughs> right now. Yeah, you on, go yeah. through, you're looking back and you're looking, wow, look, like that doesn't work. <laughs> Let's take that out. Oh, now. Am I back? Yes, you're back. You're back, Dan. Okay, yeah. But here's the choice. There's a funny moment where I point out the fact that this is the part where you edit out, right? So right. maybe if you leave that in, it's sort of ironic in a way. This is not a meta podcast. Yeah, <laughs> can, I, say, like, I can't even remember what the hell we were talking about. Yeah, I was going to say like Libra. That's what Facebook tried to start, right? So Facebook tried to institute the Libra coin and the government shut that down right away because that that's a goal. I mean, they've got billion or millions, maybe close to a billion plus users right and they're it's basically a country if they started using libra so they shut that down they tried to bring it back tried to create a stable coin with dm they rebranded it still got shut down so these these like proprietary coins not working out twitter added the tip feature with bitcoin um and there's you know almost definitely elon's going to try to do some shit with doge i just think the you know the whole thing like I said, big fan of free speech. And that's what he's kind of making the point of this acquisition is for free speech. But the biggest features or the biggest things that he's talking about, or at least others are talking about 
that he could make changes on Twitter, right? Is like paying for verification. So you get your blue check if you pay. And then maybe using like Lightning or even, you know, probably Doge to, uh, you know, do that streaming per tweet to kind of like cut down on the spam. So, I, you know, both of the implementations you talk about are, are charging users for every tweet or charging users to uh, get that check mark. And, but they're calling it free speech. This is kind of a, you know, different, it's free as in, uh, you know, it's just an interesting uh, observation, I guess. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm very curious. And also for the people that want to stay anonymous. For sure, like, right? Like that's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. What are the what are the requisites for you to be able to get that blue check mark or whatever right. do you have to show your identity? And so that kind of sucks for the people that don't want to show their identity. Are they going to be able to have all of the benefits of what Twitter is going to be? It's like another huge question because we know a lot of our Bitcoiners don't want to say who they are with right. very good reason. So it's just definitely interesting how it's going to play out. I'm still going to use Twitter. I thought it was hilarious yeah. how people were like, I am leaving Twitter and moving to Canada. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not. You're, you're definitely not doing that. You just definitely love the, the attention. Yeah. I mean, Twitter's just kind of like everybody's acting out. Like everybody's just overreacting, acting out, act, acting like everything's the end of the world or it's the best thing ever. Maybe we just got to calm down with the extreme emotional reactions or maybe we just adjust to the fact that this isn't real life like these this is just our we're screaming into the void Absolutely. Except for, yeah but what do you do in a world that doge is how people are interacting and transacting on twitter like that's this that's the sort of currency layer if that happens on twitter or sorry, do you understand what i'm asking yeah i don't think it's i don't know how i don't even know if it would look ridiculous right now no, no, you're no, you're right. I don't think it would work. It's uh, it's not secure. Yeah, exactly. It's just. You know what like I mean, like, yeah. Oh, interesting. It would look bad on. I mean, it would look bad on crypto. That's probably a good thing, right? Because right, for sure, we would be able to make the distinction with a real life scenario of what's Twitter. But yeah, I don't think I, I wouldn't use it for sure. I think it's. I think this is how lightning shines because. Lightning is built for the, or, you know, it's ready, ready made. It's like what Elon's going to do. He's going to do what every, not every, but like so many other VCs and, uh, you know, just tech moguls do in this space. They're going to spend a bunch of time and money to build something that already has a ready made solution on, in, on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Lightning's already there. It's already fast. It's already essentially free. What are you going to do with Doge? Well, yeah, Doge is pretty cheap to do on, on chain. Uh, it's not going to be decentralized. If you've got, you know, million, how many people tweet a day? If you add like all those transactions, you're trying to do that all on layer one, like that's going to have a bigger node than an Ethereum data center within a few weeks. Like it's not, it's not sustainable. And I don't know, maybe they'll build a lightning, lightning network on Doge, but who's running those nodes? I don't know. It just seems like a, it seems like a fool's errand, but he's definitely going to try. I can't wait to see it fail. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's very interesting. It's just so interesting how hard it is to fight all these crypto people. So do you have, do you have uh, imitators and spammers that uh, 
fake Camilla accounts that you have I to can, deal with? I know she does because I get hit up by them all the time. Oh, nice. Oh, it's fake Camilla good. slide into your DMs, Mike? No, Camilla Camp t- Camp Tune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> camp 10. Oh. <laughs> It's Ask me how my trades work. And it's starting to happen on Instagram. So oh yeah. Yeah. So I have I had a day where like family members were just like texting me, like, is this you? Should I accept? Why are you requesting? And it's just like, man, the fact that this is traveling to different social media channels is very annoying because you're always trying to tell people I'm never sliding into your DMs. I'm not a trader. I'm not going to ask you how your trade is going. Mm-hmm. And, but I feel like I have it very easy compared to a Michael Saylor. So I went on YouTube today, <clears throat> just doing some research on some content that I want to do later on. And I click on this video. It had like 11,000 viewers. And the video was an interview of Michael Saylor and Pomp. And they were like in the top right corner of the screen. But then the rest of the screen was like, if you send me two Bitcoin, I will send you five Bitcoin. And it just kept going in like a scale of like, please send this Bitcoin to this address or send ETH to this address. And you're going to enter a giveaway for whatever. And so it's like, you have how many people watching that? How many people are going to fall for that? And it's not that easy to report on YouTube either. How long before these people shut down this live stream? It was going for three hours already. And there was multiples when you searched on the search engine on, on YouTube. So it's just so bad. It's getting so, 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 so bad. It's just so annoying. I never I read. Of, that sounds like advertising almost. It's like yeah, exactly. crazy. That sounds, that's like a... I, Amazing. I read, oh, that sounds, yeah, you're right. Wow. Remember a couple of years ago when somebody hacked or exploited something where they got a bunch of um, verified accounts, like including President Obama's account, like they tweeted from his account and it was a Bitcoin thing. It was like, it was one of those like really simple ones, like send me one, I'll send you two. It's like this giveaway or this charitable thing. And you know, it's like, who's going to fall? Who's going to send somebody a full Bitcoin uh, and expect like that somebody would send it back? Maybe, you know, if Pro- Obama's, you know, verified account did it but anyways they they said that the address that they were given out uh, accumulated t- over 20 bitcoin uh oh. on that on that spam attack so it's lucrative right and who do you sue to get to get like if they use your likeness and they get five bitcoin out of it right like you should be able to sue them and get you know four of them get yeah. some royalties can't be using my likeness you gotta pay up really- for that I got emails before the Bitcoin conference about how some people were looking for Bitcoin jobs because they got scammed out of their Bitcoin. It's like people in the community that you would think that they would, you know, not fall for these things. And so I think it was someone that was pretending to be Mark Moss and they had (laughs) this whole platform and, and the person emailed me and were like, yeah, I thought it was, you know, Mark Moss. I like, gave some of my Bitcoin and basically lost it. So now I'm trying wow. to, yeah, earn back to recuperate. But imagine how, like, imagine how those people feel afterwards, right? Like terrible. Mark Moss, that wouldn't be like the worst one to get scammed by. Maybe a Michael Saylor one, the president Obama one. I'll give somebody that. Like if, if president Obama, the verified check, he DMs me, he's like, Hey man, send me a Bitcoin. I'll send you two. I'm not going to do it, but like put myself in somebody's shoes, like somebody newer. I think they would do it. 
But like, imagine if you, like your story is that you got scammed by like a fake Dieter Bob and you sent like a Bitcoin to Dieter Bob. Like that's your story the rest of your life. Like your generate your life savings, like your family, your lineage was going to go on. It was going to, it was going to, they were going to found universities. They were going to found foundries to build miners and, and ASIC chips. And instead you got scammed by somebody who was pretending to be like a, an autistic club, you know, like that's. <laughs> That's would, you gotta tell your kids that you know. You wouldn't tell that story. I don't think you would. Like, who would? They'd find out eventually. Oh my gosh, <laughs> who would forgive you? That would be that would be very sad. But yeah, it just it just comes to show how early we actually are. Like, if people within the community are falling for these things, you can expect anyone that has for no sure. clue to just to just fall for it. And essentially, those things come to greet come down to greed, right? You're getting greedy, you want easy money in return, and you're very hopeful that you'll get those Bitcoin back plus some, but that's not how the world works either. You know, stop being greedy. Don't think that someone's just gonna give you. I mean, yeah. One of the 21 million. <laughs> Bitcoiners, like Warren Buffett's not popular with Bitcoiners, but his like low time preference just slow and steady wins the race. If you apply that to Bitcoin, you'll be fine. But most most people are so, I mean, God, you, you're on Twitter all the time, right? You got these people who are like, you need to have a, a seven of 12 multi-sig. You got to send it to a coin joiner four times before it goes to your hardware wallet. But then you got to use a stateless seeding device. And, you, and then you got to like move, you got to take your backup seed. You got to like drop it in the Marianas trenches, the deepest part of the ocean. You can never get it without a submarine. You got to take Peter Jackson submarine to get it. It's like, that's why I, I got 0.2 Bitcoin. And that's how I keep it safe. And it's like, you guys don't understand. Like you are the biggest security threat to your Bitcoin. Not like if you're giving it away in scams, you're losing your seat or you're trying to, you know, some people are, they feel like maybe they lost some Bitcoin, right. And they're trying to make up for it. So they're, they're leveraging long on one of these like shady exchanges and then they lose everything. I was, I was sitting in standing in line with somebody remember in Miami last year at the conference when you, at the Wynwood, it was like wrapped around the city because they didn't have a way to get everybody in the first day. Effectively. Oh, I'm talking to people, man. I talked to this guy. He was, you know, you know, some people just like offer out how, how much Bitcoin they have. It's like really awkward, but he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I had like 20 some Bitcoin. I leveraged long. I lost it all. Then I got like 10 back and I lost it all. Now he's like, now I'm, you know, trying to get my bit back to one again. And it was just heartbreaking to think about that, but it's, you know, I don't care how strong your security is, man. You just lost it all. Cause you're, you're gambling or you're forgetful with your seed for whatever, you know, it's like some of these security guys, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all about security, cold storage, everything. But I think some people kind of lose the plot, kind of Absolutely. forget who the real threat to their security is. I think that it teaches me one main thing is you have to hold on to your Bitcoin. That's it. Right. You got to hold on to it. Whatever, whatever method you use that's going to work for you, that's the best security method except for don't leave it on like Coinbase. That's right, not exactly. the best. Every, everything easier, like it, even keep it on a mobile wallet on your phone if you have to, but don't keep it on an exchange. So have you guys seen that new movie on Netflix or documentary called Trust No One? Not yet. I did see, I mean, I've seen like the little card for it, but I haven't watched it yet. Tell me about it. It is so good. So it's about this young founder who created an exchange in Canada 
and apparently the story yeah yeah so people were trying to take their money (coughs) excuse me out of the exchange they weren't able to and then it turns out that this guy died and he was the only one that had the keys so people weren't able to get their money out and that he died in india so people were like is this guy even dead is he alive what happened right that's did, did yeah, they like, so, find so, out uh, the truth behind that in the sh- in what was this a netflix show it was a, but it's based on a real story so this was like there was a podcast series about this and there was no, like a I, big I remember article hearing, i remember okay, reading yeah, the article yeah, yeah. but I, I think there's a lot of people that suspect he's not dead but there's no nobody i don't think there's like 100 percent certainty on, on it either way but there's a reporter that went to the doctor and the doctor was like yeah he died he's very <laughs> dead <laughs> But it's just so interesting how people um, were trusting this one exchange that had their, it wasn't only Bitcoin, it was like other cryptocurrency as well. But it turns out that this, I'm going to spoiler alert if you want to skip through this, but it turns out that this guy was leveraging other people's money in other exchanges in other parts of the world. And he was the most terrible trader and basically lost the money. So there's no way people would have been able to get it back. And then he had like a co-founder that was super shady. It was, it's just a very interesting story, but very good reminder that yes, don't trust anyone and to not leave your, your Bitcoin in exchanges because Mm -hmm. you you never know what can happen. Even though this guy seemed very reputable within the community, did a whole bunch of talks and it's just like, how, how did this even happen? It's just terrifying. There was this one person that sold his apartment. He was trying to, I think, move like $500,000, all his savings from one country to the other. So he bought Bitcoin so that he wouldn't have to like pay for a very high fee to transfer it from one bank to the other. And that money was essentially gone. He was na- never able to, to transfer it out. It's really, really ah. sad. That's off. Um, you know, it's like it makes me think that for people are not going to everybody's not going to use a hardware wallet or take custody of their own Bitcoin. You've got most of the countries in the world, I think, they keep all their gold in London or New York um, in the vaults because that's where the vaults are. That's where the market is. But you know, if you're if you do something to piss off. NATO or the United States, boom, it's gone. They take your gold. They seize it. Venezuela's gold has been seized by the by the British, um, other countries as well. And it's like so, but but you know, like you're Venezuela, you know that all the Western capitalist countries despise you, and they still keep their gold in vaults in England, in London. So it's you know, it's obviously a problem that. Is not going to be easily solved. I don't know. How don't we have to make uh, self custody? It already is easy, honestly. Yeah. Using a treasure or something like that is is really quite simple. But most people don't do it. You know, it's really funny. I feel like um, I don't know if Venezuela is like this, probably, but Colombia is like this. So Colombia has three colors: yellow, blue, and red. So does Venezuela. The gold, the yellow, was supposed to represent the gold. <laughs> And my uncle was like, you should just like get rid of that. It just it's just happened. Red. <laughs> it's gone. These countries don't have custody of their own gold. It's somewhere else. 
and it's it's really really sad that especially with Venezuela because I've had um, uncles I had an uncle that would go to Venezuela in the 90s because it was the wealthiest country and there was more opportunity he could go you know find a job and now it's just shattered mm -hmm. and it's crazy to think that in my lifetime that happens that's very quick very quick so if that happened in Venezuela where else can it happen it's very scary to think about Bitcoin right like the the mark the marketing for it it is the only bear, the thing that you can take custody of easily and get, and I don't know if it's true or at least if it's still true, but El Salvador, I, I've heard that they use NIDIG for custody. They're not even taking custody of their, or maybe it's like they got enough shit for it that they relented and, and took custody, but they kept custody. Bukele knows the United States is not to be trusted, at least when it comes to El Salvador. There's a long history of that. And still, it's in New York, the worst possible place in the United States for, for Bitcoin, too, is New York. So it's, it's something else, man. I don't know. There's, there's, there's reasons for it, I guess. Maybe it's easier to, maybe it's actually safer in a vault or in a, um, in a wallet in New York or London than it is in their own country. Maybe they don't have the means to defend it, but I don't know. Is it's it just wild to me. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Is it really? I don't. If you don't have Depends. control over it, I guess if you had like you know if you if you were, say you were like a smaller African country that had a, like a big history of um, you know your neighbors invading or a lot of war and maybe you keep your gold in London because at any given point in time like you know if you're the government and you get invaded you can always get out and still have access but I don't know I, I don't know why they do it um, it blows my mind. But that's the thing though it's like same thing can happen with what happened with venezuela they're yeah. they're asking back for the gold and they're like nope <laughs> it's our gold now who says it's your gold it's our gold i now. would like to i would like to speak to the manager of the gold vaults please <laughs> exactly it's like sorry i don't speak spanish i can't understand <laughs> what you're saying <laughs> you can't get your gold back there is something to be said about you needing to have the security to defend the asset you have right right so if you don't have, sure. if, if it's your asset, but you don't have security to defend it, it's not your fucking asset. That's true. So you sort of Very have much. to you sort of trust security with that asset. You are, you hold that asset at the pleasure of the strongest power in that region. You That's know? right. Mm -hmm. It's also, I mean, look at, look at every country with oil, right? Like do any of those countries with a lot of oil have a whole lot of independence. Not really. Well, other, if they do, they're ostracized. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch um, Money Heist? Mm -mm. I, I watched one episode. I was like, what? I don't know what I'm watching. I, okay. I'm, in, I'm interested, <laughs> but I don't know what I'm watching. Because it's in Spanish, right? So it's like, if you're watching mm. it. I mean, it, was shot, it was shot very well. I don't know. There's just something about it. Well, but essentially, yeah. another spoiler. You guys are just bringing me on here for like spoilers of <laughs> shows and movies. Another spoiler, though, was the final season, um, the first season, they wanted to do a heist at their printing press, essentially, and just print a whole bunch of money. After that happened, they were like, now we're going to go for the gold, and we're actually going to steal the Bank of Spain's gold. And what was really funny at the end was that the country, essentially, they, they were able to steal the gold. But the people in charge of the bank were like, what are we going to do? If, if we tell people that 
we don't have the gold anymore, our country can get uh, invaded, we have no more national security, what do we do? And so they created like a facade that the gold was still in there so that they wouldn't get invaded. But the people that stole the gold were able to kind of like take the bars, bars of gold and be like extremely rich. So it just made me wonder how many of these countries are actually telling the truth about what's behind their vaults? Because how, how do you know? How do you know that the gold is actually there? How do you know it's not somewhere else? They're not going to tell you the truth because if they don't have it, it's easy. The, the economy of the country completely goes down and then it's easy for someone else to invade. It was just a very interesting thing to think about after watching that. Including the United States. They have not audited Fort Knox in I don't know how long. And there's a lot of people who are starting to question if, um, if there's gold in Fort Knox anymore. How do we know? <laughs> we may find out soon enough that the way things are going with inflation and, and currency forexes around the world, we may find out who's got gold and who doesn't because it's going to come down to, uh, they're going to call somebody's bluff, I think. Do you think any of these countries are bluffing? I think there's, I don't, I have no idea. So this is just stoner bro science. So I have no data to back this up, but I think that it is very likely that a decent percentage of them either are lying about their having gold or they're lying about the amount, you know, like they might, that, and that's, you know, that's one of the, um, one of the strong points about Bitcoin, right? You can't do this. You cannot fucking bluff. You can't bullshit. It's right there. You, you know, how many of those people have, like you walk in, right. And they, maybe they've got like these big pallets of gold, but if you remove one of the bars underneath it's copper or tungsten or, you know, something else, you, know, exactly. you just don't know. How do you know that, the, that it's pure gold? Exactly. That's exactly what happened in the, in the episode. They had right. this fake gold there and, and who's going to go in there and verify it. You'll get shot before you step in there. So it's we're gonna have to go to Houston and take Paul Wall's grill, like and melt it down. <laughs> if there's nothing in Fort Knox. Didn't, didn't something happen with China recently that's regarding this? A lot of stuff's happened with China, man. They're, they're having problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the gold, the gold. I don't yeah, know. Does, does I, heard, I, read, I read an article that I'm sure I, read, I read some sort of article or heard about it that uh, that the, the, some gold was inspected and they found that like only five percent of it was actual gold and that the rest was all fake. Or they, wow. maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look that up because I haven't heard that. That'd be interesting. China's got know. a lot of problems though. I mean, have you heard? Have you heard about their food crisis? No, what's the food crisis? Well, there's a lot of people, I mean, other than Shanghai, where they've got those lockdowns, right? So it's like two, three years ago, they had African swine fever in the um, in their pig population. So they had to cull more pigs, uh, domestic pigs or like farm pigs in those two years, than the rest of the world has combined and I think double it. So that's how many pigs they had to call. And now they're trying to raise their, um, their, you know, their pig population back up as fast as they can. But Peter Zihan, he's kind of, he's like a really respected analyst. He was talking about this and he was talking about it on Real Vision. The people who are in charge of doing this, they don't know what they're doing. They have no experience. It's, it's a mess. And they've been buying like 
everything, all the food, all the agriculture they get their hands on because they need to feed these pigs and they need to like get this population up. So there's like, sometimes you'll see analysts on, you know, CNBC or you'll see some dip, dipshit on Twitter. It's like, oh, there's no food shortage in China. They got the biggest stockpiles of wheat in the world. It's for the pigs. It's not for the people. So they, all this, all this, like, and they're even buying stuff that you're not supposed to feed pigs. They're giving them rice. They're giving them, um, I don't know, oats, whatever, but they're, that's coming off the market everywhere else. Right. So we've got this whole, all this bullshit going on in Ukraine and they're talking about the fertilizer and there's going to be famine. Cause like farmers can't, um, fertilize their fields. I went to Ace Hardware to try to get my grass going the other day. The fertilizer used to be like $17. It's like $70 now. Like I can't even afford it. And it's, this is, this is happening everywhere. So there's going to be famine. There's going to be like these food shortages everywhere. And it's all stemming from China. And like, nobody seems to be talking about it. And the, you know, you see the, a plane. So there was a, there's two fires at two different food plants somewhere in the United States over the past. Like, this is something I'm hearing a lot about. Right. And then feed. last week, a plane crashed into one of these food plants and burned it to the ground. And then everybody's, you know, kind of talking about how maybe it's not coincidence and, you know, people were dismissing them as conspiracy theorists. And then Sunday or Saturday, um, the FBI puts out a thing saying, be on the lookout for ransomware attacks on food plants because they're being targeted now. So now somebody, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Russia. I don't know if it's like some foreign country or somebody on the inside. Um, they're attacking the food supply in the United States. So I don't know. I think that people are not ready for some apocalyptic stuff that could be on the horizon. I hate to say that, but like it, and I like, again, this is only stuff I'm seeing on the news or like reading, but I don't have the stats to like pull up right now, but it's, it's kind of scary. What I've learned this past two years is that conspiracy theorists and they're right right <laughs> about everything and it's it's so true like there aren't they these aren't things that are being talked about and it goes back to like the whole social media thing they're putting so much attention into elon musk buying twitter they're putting so much attention i'm looking at other social medias about johnny depp and his court case with his ex-wife, but they're not talking about these things that are actually going to be affecting people if they are to happen, not telling them how to prepare themselves. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they don't even really talk about inflation. Why would they prepare people for? Well, they say it's gonna go away, it's transitory. Well, they don't say transitory anymore now, but they say, oh, you know, it's, it's gonna die down, but- they Just brush it off, like it's nothing. And it's like, it's people's lives. Yeah, there's a quote. It's like, don't believe anything until it's been officially denied. And all the things that we've been kind of suspicious about, whether it's COVID stuff, whether it's inflation, whether it's whatever, the suspicion becomes reality, or the suspicion is confirmed as being real within a year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of. Do you have like a favorite conspiracy theory that that uh, maybe you don't necessarily believe, but it's fun to entertain. Um, one of mine is 9-11. That's so you think that Bush did 9-11 or you think? No, no, I just, I love, there's so many theories, right? Sure, so yeah, I, yeah. I've, you know, familiar. You, documentaries, you, you, mm -hmm. how it was all planned or whatever. Jet, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Yeah, that exactly. Stuff, yeah, like, building stuff like for sure. So it's all attractive to sort of theorize that out. But Do you guys remember that day? in your life oh yeah i was i was in um ninth grade geography class 
you know, like the, the TV with like the suspenders on it, like they roll in, like they roll that in and they threw on the news and it was like the first building had been hit. No, the second building had just been hit because that's how they knew it was like not an accident. And then they didn't show it on the TV, but somebody said they dropped a bomb on the Pentagon, which that was like the first report that, that, you know, we had gotten for that day. And that's when I got scared because like all I growing up, I was like, oh, the United States military, that's the strongest military in the world. Nobody could fuck with us. And they got in and they bombed the, like their home base, their, like their main building that that's not good. So I remember I was a pretty scary day and it was like a pretty scary. I just remember coming home from school every day and my dad would just be sitting on the couch watching Fox News, Shepard Smith. And we would just watch it every night and just learned all about bin Laden and Afghanistan. And I ended up going to the Air Force and going over there a bunch. So it was it was uh yeah, it was kind of a crazy day. Do you do you think there's a strong correlation or or sort of an interesting correlation between the birth of bitcoin and 9-11 correlation yeah happening around the same time yeah a little bit what's that it happened the same decade so it's right i think two years apart right so it's sort of two years it was like seven years apart Oh, 9-11 was not 9 I'm thinking 2011. It was 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Right. It's, oh, been yeah. Tw- it's been over wow. 20 years. <laughs> There's one of these moments that I have to edit out. <laughs> I was not I was not in I was not in ninth grade in 2011, I wish. Oh shit. That's right. That's right. Okay. Carry on. I'm sorry. But I mean that did bring I don't know how that would be tied together, but Yeah, for so it was like until the until 2000, like, so by the end of the Clinton presidency, we had a budget surplus. So we were bringing in and paying off our national debt, if you can believe that. And after 9-11, that just kicked off, you know, two massive wars. It was the first time they'd ever cut taxes and started a war, much less two wars, and were cutting taxes. They didn't issue any war bonds. They didn't do anything. They were just like, it's all good. We're just going to cut taxes and we're just going to let the deficit fly so you had like raytheon halliburton they're just raiding the treasury they're just i mean we i would get over to um i'd get over to qatar one of those countries when i was in and it was just like you've got some dude sitting his job was to drive a circle around this base in this old bus and he would just drop people it would be like four people on there an hour and this dude was making like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year just to drive this bus for a few hours a day and he like worked for general dynamics they got the contract these guys would just get these massive contracts and you would walk so i'd be walking you walking like around the tents and they had these giant Patriot missiles and they're like the Patriot missiles are like kind of like the air defense. Right. And like they had these giant radars on them, but when the radar would like, was, would like swoop over at you, like your, your watch and like all your reflect, everything would light up. It was like, whatever, I don't know. I'm going to have cancer someday from this stuff because I would just sit, I would sleep right there. And these, these things would just, and they would just light us right up. But there was like 17 dudes that were, their whole job was to just make sure that thing was always running, but it never broke. And it was never needed. Like we were never attacked in Qatar. And there's just like some Raytheon or I don't know who makes the Patriot missile, Lockheed Martin, one of the two. These dudes were just making well into six figures, probably $500,000 a year in today's money. Uh, just to, just to sit out there. That's all they did. They weren't even that, they weren't even like skilled engineers. They were just like technicians. And that was, I mean, that's just a microcosm of, of all the waste that went on for 20 years. So yeah, that's, 9-11 is what kicked off the just 
death spiral of the dollar. Whenever this dollar thing ends, that's when it started. Yeah, you can say 1971, but it really kicked off in 2000, right? And so a few years later, after everything crashed, because the course was going that way, at least for one crash, that's when Bitcoin comes out. But, you know, then you got conspiracy theories about Satoshi too. Some people think he's CIA. Some people think he's, or they, whoever they are, could be more than one person. There's, there's, I don't know, the like the real hardcore details on them. Some people suspect that it could be, you know, somebody in the United States or somebody in like the uh, Western financial sphere. Like they knew that what we were doing, they were destroying our money and they created an escape valve, an escape hatch. So what do you think is their intention if they are, you know, like, do you think they were like in the sense, yeah, they were part of the government, but they're secret shadowy super coders that wanted to do something good or what was the intention behind it? If well, part of these organizations? I'll, yeah, I'll caveat. I don't actually believe the conspiracy theory about Satoshi, but if it was true, I would just say, they, I would say it was probably more along the lines of they wanted a way to like do shadow funding for like government programs. So you've got like the history of the Iran Contras where they were, you know, they sell, uh, sell weapons illegally to the Iranians to get money to fund their, you know, fucking around trying to get coups in Central America. And there's like, there's tons of stuff like that. I mean, all of Afghanistan was full of, um, you know, we were guarding their poppy fields for them. And, you know, there's lots of, shadowy stuff that was going on and some of it's not like a huge conspiracy theory some of it's just the cia is just taking advantage of a situation where they can make money so they can um fund further operations but not that it's good it's just not necessarily a big evil plot either but if i had to guess it would be something like that it would be some kind of money that they could use because until you know the past couple of years bitcoin was considered like an anonymous and it really is if you don't kyc it is so if you're um you know, if you're an intelligence agency, whether it's the British intelligence agency or the CIA, well, now you've got money that you can spend and nobody can track it back to you. They can't, you know, they can't stop it. They can't prevent you. Like the government can't step in and stop the deep state or whatever. So maybe that would be the motivation if it was anything. That's interesting. And what's interesting is that they gave that same power to the people, right? Anywhere in the world. So, right. I think if they, I think if, you know, if that, if what I'm saying was the case, which it's not, but that's the trade-off, right? It's like, this has to be used by everybody if it's going to benefit us, because we're going to, we're the most shadowy, um, you know, borderline ethical group or, you know, unethical group. If it's going to work for us, it's got to work. It's going to work for everybody. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, Bitcoin's loved by hackers. If you're, if your money is not liked by hackers, I don't want it. Like, I don't want anything the hackers don't want. <laughs> if the hackers switch to Doge, that's probably a sign. It's probably a, a leading indicator. They're just stupid hackers, Dan. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Some of them are like the ones that hacked that uh, that oil company and they left their they left their Bitcoin on an exchange. And they got it taken from them. But that's where I come in with like conspiracy theories. Is like, was that something planted? So that people possibly scared of Bitcoin and saying like, oh, it can be, you know, it can't be traced, blah, 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 blah. So that it 
slows down adoption. Totally. I mean, that's definitely possible. I, while I do, I never rule that out. I usually go with Occam's razor. It's usually the simplest answer is the correct answer. And people are lazy. Think about how many people on Twitter that are security LARPs, those motherfuckers have Bitcoin on BlockFi right now. I guarantee you some of them do. <laughs> they, they talk all this shit, but they're lazy. And they, these hackers are probably, they, they were probably lazy. And there's some people who are really good hackers who know nothing about Bitcoin. They know, I mean, they know about Bitcoin. They know that it's valuable. They don't know the ethos of Bitcoin. They don't know the security aspect of Bitcoin. They just know that it's a good way for them to make money as hackers. So that's possible too. They just didn't know. They, they probably didn't realize that if you had your Bitcoin on exchanges, that it wasn't safe. Right. I mean, that's a possibility. So note to all the hackers out there that want to hack Bitcoin, you have to do your research and learn what best practices are because they're very simple, but it can be a make or break. <laughs> Whether you're saving for retirement or you're going to hack critical infrastructure, plant ransomware, steal and, and hold it for Bitcoin, you have to do your own research. Yep. That's a good lesson right there. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Camilla, you, I, I wanted to get into a like we're 50 minutes and I wanted to talk to you at least about, uh, your show that you host. Yeah. I wanted well, to, yeah, I'm interested in this show. I don't know enough about the show. Can you tell me a little bit about it? <laughs> okay. So last year, um, I started a Spanish show with Javier Bastardo, which he's a Venezuelan. Um, and so after the whole El Salvador thing blew up, we were like, hey, we should probably do something in Spanish. And it was more of us really interviewing people all over Latin America to see how adoption was in these countries, because it's very easy to get stuck in like this bubble of how adoption is happening in the US, but, and to kind of sensationalize news like, oh yes, now all of Latin America is gonna adopt Bitcoin. And it's like, okay, wait, let's just take a step back and interview all these people in different countries to give them perspective from boots on the ground. And so we started doing that, it was amazing. And what we realized, this sounds very bearish, but it's going to take a oh, long yeah. time, <laughs> a really long time for the, all these other Latin American countries to jump on board, especially since a lot of them, they still have lots of hope for the dollar. So they'd rather be buying dollars than buying Bitcoin. And it's really interesting because I've seen apps that are starting to come out that are kind of like strike, but they're not telling you to buy crypto or Bitcoin. They're telling you to buy dollars. Like this is an easy way for you to buy dollars. And mm -hmm. I look behind it and it's like based on the Ethereum network. And it's just like very, <laughs> very sketchy stuff that now I have family members messaging me about it. And it's like, how do you explain to them that the dollar is not the king of it all anymore? Like, yes, it's probably better than your local currency, but it's not the king of it all, that it's also basically devalued. And how do you get them over that hump to buy Bitcoin? But they don't, they don't trust Bitcoin necessarily. They still trust the dollar. So there's still yeah. like a huge, a huge way to go in terms of education with these countries and having them adopt adopt bitcoin unless something like venezuela happened which 
God forbid it happened all over Latin America, but like, does it really have to get to the point where you're losing everything for you to pay attention or how can we help you like start preparing for the scenarios that could easily happen in the future? Yeah. And you know, I, I have weird feelings about this because, you know, I, sometimes I tend to agree with like Gladstein. He talks about how important stable coins are to people in some of these poor countries. And the, to me, however you get to Bitcoin is how, is, whatever your path is, that's the right way. So yeah, like the dollar sucks, but a lot of these people need, a lot of these people aren't thinking about 20 years from now, like the dollars they're buying, right? Like they need dollars today. They need to pay their bills today. They need to buy something for their little, their small business today. They need to feed their family today. And the dollar is going to hold its value for the next week, probably better than Bitcoin in this environment anyway. So if this, you know, and they don't, like you said, you they don't trust Bitcoin and that you it is complex. A lot of us take a lot, take for granted how much we know and how much we understand it and our conviction and you don't start with that from day one but if you you know you get an app similar to strike right or just strike itself and you can buy stable coins um and you can use those stable coins and they're materially advantage it's materially improving your life your business is taking off but then you start to think wow like this money is losing value fast i can barely afford to buy supplies a month later like it's all going up then the Bitcoin proposition starts to make a little more sense. And now you're starting to investigate that more. You're starting to research it more. I know the Bitcoin beach wallet down in El Salvador, they've got education and quizzes and all kinds of things to help people understand at a very practical level, how Bitcoin can benefit them. So yeah, I wish that all these people could see how great it is from the, from the beginning, but I guess it's not super realistic to expect that. And it's just, you know, the whole problem, it's Bitcoiners. It's our expectations are insane. Like Michael Saylor buys Bitcoin and then Tesla buys it. And then what was like, this is like last February. And then what was all over Twitter? Every corporation is going to be buying it. It's going to be nation states by July, a hundred, $500,000 by August. And it's like, and then El Salvador comes out and it's like, all right, Mexico is going to do it. Peru is going to do it. All these countries are going to do it. It's like, they don't even have all the hotels and pubs in El Zante accepting Bitcoin yet. Like you got to slow down. Like this takes time and you need to manage your expectations. It's not going to go to, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to go to the moon this year. Like you're not, this isn't something that's going to make you rich in a few months or even in a few years, but over the course of your life, your savings will be intact and you will likely have a material improvement in your life if you just hold your conviction. But however you get there, we just got to get people there, so even if it's a slower path. It's the, the, it's the, the more value you, um, damn it, go. <laughs> the time, the time, your time preference, right? Your time preference. Like some, uh, if you live. The longer the, you hold it, the more value you accrue. But it's not even that is that you're able to like you're able to save that time that you invest mm -hmm. in. it's not right. being just deflated away which time is money exactly yeah. that's isn't that what you want in life like i get when bitcoiners yes of course everyone wants to see it moon and it's mostly because of selfish reasons yeah. right wouldn't we all just want to be rich and not have to worry about money? But at the same time, I feel like we're at the point where we have to understand, like, maybe it doesn't moon so much. Maybe 
let's say I'm being completely bearish, maybe it doesn't moon, but it's actually doing something that the dollar isn't doing right now for me. And I'm able to right. see that, that value over time and actually, you know, that's the thing. I'm not losing time. That's like mm-hmm. the scariest thing that can happen. Working your butt off, especially us as millennials and and the Gen Z, trying to figure out like how much time we have to put into something to eventually buy a proper home if we have the right. opportunity to do so. Like those basic things, basic life needs. We're at a point right now in our life that without Bitcoin, we're struggling trying to figure out how we're going to meet those basic needs. Their right. basic needs. Everyone should be able to afford a house if you're <laughs> busting your ass every single day to try to make it happen. But it, in the situation that we are right now, it's just, it's impossible. And it's so sad to think about. So it's not even like, oh, I wanted to moon so that I can buy a Lambo. It's like, no, I just wanted to, I just want my value to continue to be saved so that I can eventually just meet my basic needs as a human being. I want to build a family if I want to in the future, but that option is not there right now, which is really, really sad. So totally, you know, I think my parting thought tonight on all this is how to save time, how to like save your value, how to save money is think about how do we end inflation? And it's not by raising interest rates. We have to make the president, whoever is keeping weed the same price. I paid the same amount of money for an eighth bag of weed when I was 16 as I paid today when I bought a bag. Mm -hmm. So whoever's doing that, Mm -hmm. get them working on Bitcoin core. We got to figure out (laughs) whatever mojo they got because they are, they are keeping prices. They fuck stable coins. Weed is the, is the ultimate stable coin. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Oh my gosh. Um, so Camilla, uh, reaching the, the hour, uh, are, are you good? Do you want to keep going or what's going on? Yeah, no, we can, we can keep going. Whatever cool. you guys want. All right. All right. We'll probably go for like 15, 20 more minutes, something like that. Okay, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I see that in an interruption, always like <laughs> <laughs> ruins the flow. This is a common theme. In my in my this thoughts. is why this is it's, why parents recording warn things. their kids not to smoke weed because we get Mike on here and he always forgets his <laughs> he always forgets his this points is, he's got them written down right in front of him he this can't is remember a great commercial for parents like see this is what happens this is why you don't do it <laughs> this is your brain on drugs <laughs> yeah it's a it's um it's a thing okay. <laughs> I had one thing to say back when we were talking about flags and you were talking about the colors of the flag. Mm-hmm. I wanted to reach this point. It made me think about um, how flags, I didn't, I didn't even consider this, but flags are a meme in and of themselves, aren't they? Yeah. Right? It's very true. It's like the, the, this image represents this entire culture. No? Right. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting thought. I mean, you got like a redneck. You got a redneck. He's got his he's got his American flag. He's got a shotgun. He's facing the tornado. With it, you know, what what do you go? You you face the tornado with the two things that you matter most. Your your colors 
These cars hey, don't run. Yeah, red, red, white, and blue. Red, white, and blue, right? They don't run. <laughs> it is crazy. I wonder which will be, if there ever is one, if a nation would ever put Bitcoin on their flag. Wow. Very good topic. Because I feel like, for example, if it was Colombia, it's like just change the yellow to orange because you have no right. gold, but you have the possibility of having Bitcoin, you know, the, the blue represents the oceans. So because Colombia, you're able to have the Atlantic and the Pacific. And then the red is the blood of the people that fought for liberty, for Colombia's liberty. But the yellow is the gold. <laughs> doesn't exist anymore just take it out buy some bitcoin and just make it orange when do flags get replaced by something digital that's interesting wow that's when you could probably get your your orange bitcoin flag right <laughs> yeah yeah would it be appropriate for el salvador to put orange in their flag not anytime soon you're gonna like most of the people in el salvador especially anybody over 30. Yeah, they're not really into that Bitcoin all that much right now. Mm -hmm. um, you think it'll happen a lot? It'll be, everything's generational. So like you, you don't, big changes don't come from convincing everybody. Big changes, generational changes come because the old guard die off and the young, the people who grew up um, using Bitcoin, understanding it, they will just eventually replace the boomers and the and and you know the gen gen x even um that's what that's what it'll take over i mean you'll you'll get to a point where i mean you could get to a point in 10 years right where let's just say bitcoin is like at least part of the global reserve currency system um officially even then you're gonna have tons of people especially older people they want nothing to do with it they're always gonna prefer some fiat or government coin or dollar that um, that they're used to, and they've gotten their bank account. Like you can have this full top-down hyper-Bitcoinization. You're still not going to have everybody who wants to use it, but in a few generations, it'll be considered like you know crazy that people wouldn't um, wouldn't use it. I mean, think think you might not remember this, Camilla. Maybe you do, Mike. Like remember in high school, if you try to use Wikipedia, like that was like a absolutely no way you cannot use wikipedia yes, like, you can't this. trust it right yes. but now it's but now it's like wikipedia is a, is of a, a trusted source but back then you know no teacher would let you do that but now every teacher would tell you to do that it's just that's how things change i guess in my opinion it's so crazy to think about how kids have like laptops right <laughs> and the whole model's now, broken and we just had old textbooks and a notebook and you know take the um the, the brown paper bag from the grocery store that's your book cover <sighs> <laughs> it's and it's but, crazy but, but the paper and the notebooks and all that stuff is a technological leap over over what the previous generations had as well right no, didn't they? Uh, I'm not sure. I think they always had, uh, but I mean, it's like, it's like the concept of like high school and primary school. That's kind of like a industrial revolution thing. They started creating those so they could like train people to read and just do enough where they could go sick them in the factory to get their fingers and arms chopped off by the stuff. That's why they had to unionize. And then that's when 
they probably added the brown paper bags because they have like their bloody nubs or like getting on the they're ruining the science books but i don't know if they really had much in school before that uh, that was a that was a thread i didn't i, I didn't mean to do um that makes a lot of sense i don't even remember what i was talking about shit that shit always happens to me that's why I you're talking notes. about like text. You're talking about like Victorian era textbooks in schools or something. No, oh, that was Shakespeare. Right. Like, what was Shakespeare reading in high school? You know, no, just the means of manufacturing these notebooks mm. and pens and you know whatever these you know we the if you're able to manufacture these things yeah. exactly things that can organize yourself and organize your thoughts, mm-hmm. then you're going to be able to update yourself quicker and quicker as a species, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But prior to being able to manufacture these items, you have for standardization, right? For standardization, you then mm-hmm. there's what are people they're writing things on, you know, scrolls or like hand carving, right. whatever. You know what I mean? Or, only, so, or telling stories, oral oral tradition. Exactly. So the printing people, press, you know, that's right. one of these technological innovations that just like grabbed our attention and pushed us forward completely you know, in one way. And I would say that when you said laptops, kids have laptops. That's what made me think of this. Kids have laptops these days. So that's like a next iteration of, um, I guess, record keeping. Right. Yeah. Think about it. So one of the, the world economic forum put out a video today. It was like a couple hours ago and they're kind of following suit with uh, XR Ripple, Brad Garlinghouse. They're trying to say, like, if you change the code in Bitcoin, you can use less energy. You can move to proof of stake. And it's kind of the same as the argument that everybody's having about schools and like what we're teaching kids in schools. You got like the, the controversial bill in Florida. It's at the end of the day, how are we, how are we updating everybody's operating system with, with the same software? How do we come to consensus on which software everybody's known needs to be running? And it started, yeah, it's like the printing press was a standardization, right? And you got um, these textbooks, like everybody in the, in the United States is learning essentially the same, you know, biology, the same history, the same right. mathematics, et cetera. Right. And then, you know, you, you got the internet, TCP IP, everybody's using that protocol to exchange packets of information. And now you've got a battle for how are we going to, What's the standardization? What's the protocol for exchanging value? And that's the ultimate battle that's taking place right now. Because it's not just Bitcoin versus Doge. It's Bitcoin versus uh, SWIFT and all the central banks. Um, yeah, so you're onto something there when you talk about that, like that replication, that what's the term I'm looking for? Um, recursion, like 3D printing. We're creating this system where we've got the standard and you can just turn something on and build something new or have some information that's mm-hmm. the same and dependable no matter where you're at yeah because you can't rely it's funny you can't rely on a country right to set that standard for example it's crazy like the history that they teach in germany is very different to the history that they teach here in the united states so not everyone in the world has been taught a standard of anything really it's all based like how can i manipulate the story to raise these other generations so they believe in something that in another country might not necessarily be true like it's it's so funny we haven't even been able to 
all coming to consensus to how many continents actually exist in the world. Or planets. Like, or planets, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have people saying, how many continents are there, Dan, according to you? There's seven, right? Lang language is also a reflection of this, by the way, right? Yeah. My mom, yeah, North my, mom yeah, would would you you, my mom would fight you and say, no, there's five continents. And people in Latin America would fight you and say, no, there's five continents. You've been oh, really? wrong. So it's like, if we can't even come into consensus about how many con continents there are in the world, it's going to be a very big challenge to have like a consensus of all this information for all okay. humankind. Back up. What's, what, is, what are people in South America? Like, what are the continents that they don't recognize? So Antarctica is not a continent. Okay. Just ice. Okay. Uh, and they consider that North America and South America are just America. Okay. So what the, you know, the stuff like that was magnified like probably a generation or two ago. So I guess the internet is kind of a, that information protocol that's kind of changing that. So think about how different our backgrounds are. If you were born in the United States or you're born in South America, um, my parents growing up, like meeting somebody from another country, they couldn't really probably speak to each other if they didn't know the same language. But now we've got software that can mitigate yeah. those differences. And then like, you know, we've talked about this before on, on this, the only two other episodes we've got, um, go on, you, you go on spaces, right? Like you've got people from all over the world and they're able to talk to each other and they're able to relate to each other, usually about Bitcoin or something similar. Um, and that's, you never had that before. And it is people are, it's like a hive mind is being created by the internet and by social media and by these memes and these trends. And like, people are finding out like what's popular, what's bullshit, like what's cringe, what's based, like, like how do they like, how do they like kind of navigate, like to get on the same frequency, everybody's trying to get on the same wavelength, the same frequency. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. That's kind of what the internet's doing, but having Bitcoin to be able to do it with money, that's how you can change really important stuff like economics and uh commerce and things like that so yeah because that's what really matters is money right Who cares if right. there's five or seven continents <laughs> well you know that's the yeah that's true <laughs> but it's just like a a breakdown in communication and i mean think about the stuff that people argue about on twitter every day the dumbest shit like they're what they're bitching today about what's who what a bitcoiner is they're trying to litigate what a bitcoiner is like who, like you you're they're so bored like don't you guys have jobs but it's fair market <laughs> right but you but if you're if you get caught up in these petty arguments about how many continents are there you could sit there and argue for three or four hours about how many continents are there why there's only you're not solving bigger problems you're sitting here and you're arguing about listen i have this belief and it's because i was taught this growing up it's like well i've got this belief and i was taught this growing up it's like it doesn't matter this does not matter Exactly. It's, exactly. it's ego. It's all ego. I, I think it's because because the tweet that Brecky sent out, which was, oh yeah, um, he well, uh, he, he, said, he started it, but he wasn't the one that was annoying. It was Neil oh. Jacobs was kind of annoying with it, but it was like even he wasn't. It was it's always all the 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 cyber hornet. They got some like you know clown or some it's some nim, and they just like they just go and they just don't drop it. Sometimes it's the blue check marks too, though. And Sometimes, yeah, for sure. Don't you have more important things to do than <laughs> right. just, like right. talking these conversations? But yeah, I think that's one of the most things and why I completely fell in love with Bitcoin Twitter 
is because seeing how people can agree on Bitcoin mm-hmm. in all different right. languages is just completely mind-blowing. Like we may have nothing else in common, but we have this one thing in common and we can talk about it for hours. It's absolutely insane how easily connected we are and sometimes we take that for granted too like we say you know there's so much work to do with education but if we all focused on like actually putting our energy instead of putting it in these dumb discussions putting our Mm -hmm. energy and trying to communicate point with other people maybe adoption will happen faster anon and we'll get to the moon faster (laughs) we just have to direct our energy into productive things that yes it has to do with bitcoin um and it can help educate others not just get stuck in your own little twitter world because it does become kind of like an echo chamber there's so many other people to reach other than just bitcoin twitter we're preaching to the same crowd (laughs) bitcoin frees wasted energy not just from a power grid but from our own yeah, from our own mental energy. I'm going to ask any closing thoughts before we, uh, we head out. Oh, well, I already used mine, but then you extended the episode 15 <laughs> minutes. So my mind was 15 minutes early. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my closing thought is that yeah, sometimes we do have to do self-reflection and see if whatever we are doing, if we're actually contributing and helping this Bitcoin network become bigger, because that's really what it matters. Like it's, it's fun to just be silly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I get it's the bear market and people are bored, but this <laughs> is like the time where we have to put our heads down and actually work and try to contribute into something that's going to help bring a lot more people, especially when the price shoots up, like we have their attention, but now we've built all of these amazing things that are gonna get you to understand this a lot quicker and for you to stay, to not be scared, right. so. Yep, the, the bear market is when you plant those seeds because when the bull market starts, those those people are gonna come back to you and they're gonna say, hey, all right, set me up with a wallet, send me how to do this. So get, plant as many seeds as you can in the bear market, let the, let all your friends, let your family, let everybody laugh at you and price dumps. Just let, just take it because when, when it goes to the moon, they're going to want tickets on your rocket ship. Exactly. You'll have the shirt saying, I told you so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Camilla, thank you so much for uh, coming on today with us here at high hash rate. Uh, can you tell the audience, the all 102 of them, <laughs> downloads uh, can you tell them um where to find you or uh more about your work yeah so shout out to the 102 downloads <laughs> are the absolute best um 51 an episode yeah um you can find me on twitter instagram tiktok at camilla campton my dms are open if everyone anyone wants to chat and yeah thank you guys for Thanks. having me this was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll have you back sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Camilla. And uh, be, be careful of scammers that are not Camilla. Yes, exactly. I'll never ask you about how your trade is going. All right, cool. I'm going uh, to cut it. Here we go. Hey, 
Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at, at High Hash Rate on Twitter. That's it for right now. And we'll see you in the next one.